0: Today is a very different day in the life of the Orange Seventh-day Adventist Church, at least over the last, what, 30 or so years. um, You know, we we now enter into a time where our brother, our father-like figure, has gone to sleep with the Lord. And so the family thanks all of you for all of your support and your prayers and your contributions um, obviously, they, they weren't able to be here this morning because it's still a little bit difficult for them to kind of be in this place that, that for so many of us was synonymous with Kurt Mountain. Um, when, when my pastor friends, my colleagues here in Orange County, heard of Kurt's illness, especially this last time, um, they didn't remember his first name, but they would always say, oh, that's Mountain, that's the big guy Mountain. And I said, yeah, that's him. We'll be praying for him. And so we don't have good answers as to why things happen. We know that we have faith in a God that knows all things, and a God that wills only good things for those who have put their trust in him. But even with that said, it's still not always easy for us to encounter certain certain times in our lives where things are uncomfortable and where things are painful and where things lead us to sadness. And so this morning's sermon is entitled, Why have faith. In many ways, and I don't know that I say this correctly, but it's inspired by the life and times of Kurt. Um, I've only, I only knew him for four and a half years, so many of you knew him for many, many more years, but I also feel like I was on the phone with him constantly. Every couple of days, he would drive by my office and just kind of hang out in my corner chair, just looking at me, you know, making sure I was working. And, um, always would stop by. And I don't want to say too much because that's what the memorial service is for this afternoon at 3. But this, sa- this morning, this Sabbath, I wanted to look at Hebrews chapter 11, which has become kind of the hall of faith, the heroes of the faith in our Bible. And I'm convinced that if Hebrews 11 was written today, it would undoubtedly have the name of Kurt Mountain in it. And it may say something like this, by faith, Kurt walked in the Lord. By faith he served God faithfully even when he was mistreated. By faith he upheld the banner of God in a world that didn't want to hear of it. By faith he walked in the assurance of his salvation. And by faith he proclaimed the name of Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, although we are filled with sadness and grief, You've also given us the promise of resurrection. You've also given us the promise of comfort. And so now as we open up your word this morning, we pray that your spirit would lead us through this teaching and that you would use the words that we read as a way to form us and shape us. That we would continue to walk the path that you have created for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This teaching is for you if you feel fed up, burnt out, and want to give up. This teaching is for you if you feel like you just can't keep going on anymore. This teaching is for you if you feel like you're the only one going through what you're going through. This teaching is for you if you feel overburdened and weighed down. This teaching is for you if you know all the right answers, but, don't, but they don't seem to be helping you. This teaching is for you if you feel that faith is waning and every day keeps getting harder and harder to have faith and believe. If you'll open up your Red Pew Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I believe in those Red Bibles, it's page 851. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. For this is what the ancients were commended for. Faith is the confidence. That word, confidence. It isn't just knowing that what you believe will happen, but there's something that's even more foundational to that. This word confidence carries this understanding of that it is a substance, it is a firmness. It is confidence knowing that regardless of what may be happening around you, you can be certain and you can have faith that what God has promised will be true. That word also carries this connotation of documents establishing ownership. We all know just yesterday, actually, I had to go pay the registration on my car. How many of you like to pay registration on your car? It doesn't even make sense, Right? because you're already making the payments for it, but still we have to show that we're the registered legal owner of this car. And with that paper, what happens when you get pulled over by the police? What do they ask for? Your license, registration to make sure you haven't stolen the car, and your insurance. So this word confidence carries with it this kind of legal understanding, this kind of assuredness that you have confidence and the conviction that what you believe in and, then, and what we believe in is that God loves us and that Christ died for us. And he didn't just die, but he also died so that he would give you the right to, be the inherit, the, to, to inherit God's grace, mercy, and love for all eternity. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. And it is the assurance about what we do not see. There is this understanding in the book of Hebrews 11... And for some of you who are more advanced in years who have walked this walk of faith, you will know that life isn't always lived by sight. We don't just live by what we can see, by what we can feel, by what we can touch, but we live by faith. We live knowing that God is leading us down this path that we are walking, and as long as we keep our eyes connected to God... He will lead us regardless of the things that may be happening all around us. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Perhaps the best translation of this verse is, now faith is the resolute confidence in the promise of God, even though... The believers have not yet received the fulfillment of the promises. This word assurance isn't just a static conviction. It's not just, well, I'm sure it's going to happen, but the way that the Greek is written, that this assurance is a conviction that keeps on convicting you. For how many of you have you experienced that oftentimes it's when you go through the difficult times in your life that your faith actually grows? See, when things are going well, Do we really draw on our faith all that much? The truth is probably not. Sure, we thank God that things are going well and we praise God, but your faith truly only really grows when it is tested in suffering and in difficulty and in pain. Because the Bible is written in such a way where the only way that faith actually continues to grow is when you look back over your life and you see how God has led you and how you can continue to believe that he will lead you in the present and into the future. Faith is a continual process of renewal. The process of faith is about knowing and being certain that God wills the very best for you. For how many of us have we ever experienced something in our life, and we say, God, this certainly and surely cannot be your will? For how many of us, when we've experienced pain and suffering, we sit there and we say, God, this cannot be the way you intended things to be? But then we look a year or two or three down the road, and we realize that had something not happened, then we wouldn't be where we are three years later. And so we don't always understand why things happen. But what we can know and the faith that we can have is that things will happen and God will work all things for those who love the Lord. He will work them out for good. And so we go back to verse 2 and it says this is what the ancients were commended for. They were commended because through the trials and through the suffering and through the pain, they continued to allow their faith to grow because they placed their faith and their conviction in God. But too many times, too many times I have heard people give negative experiences in their lives and point to that and say, if because those things happen, it is hard for me to believe that there is a God who exists. Because of the suffering and because of the pain, I can't believe that God exists because he wouldn't let me go through those times. But the Bible never tells us that we won't experience suffering and pain. The Bible doesn't tell us that we're not going to experience death. The Bible doesn't tell us that everything will be perfect. So oftentimes when we when we allow those negative experiences, those painful experiences to shape our faith, we're not actually going to get a faith that draws us closer to Christ, but rather we're going to get some distorted kind of belief. You see faith is the undeniable conviction and the confident assurance that God's promises are with are for us even when life seems difficult but if you allow yourself to simply be shaped by negative experiences it will be hard to believe now you might be thinking but but pastor you don't know what i've been through you haven't experienced the life that i've experienced and that's probably true i'm still relatively young and i haven't experienced the worst that life could throw at me i'm sure Right? Come talk to me again in 20 years and then maybe I will have some more experience of pain and suffering and loss. So some of you may be saying, that's great, Pastor, and you should be an idealist because you're the one that's preaching and we need hope, but you haven't experienced life as I have experienced it. But the Bible continues to teach us that regardless of what happens in our life, God will work all things for good. There's a story in the book of Mark chapter 9, and we don't have to go to it because we're going to do some reading here in a couple of minutes. But there's a story where Jesus is just kind of walking from, you know, from city to city, and we know that the stories of Jesus is that he, is a, he, he healed people, and there was a man who came to him. And he says, My son has been possessed by a spirit since he was a little kid. Oftentimes this spirit has tried to kill my son by throwing him into water to drown him or trying to throw him into the fire. And the man says this, If you can do anything, if you can do anything to help us, and how does Jesus respond? He says, if you can, are you asking me if I actually can do something? It it almost seems like Jesus was appalled. Jesus had been healing people left and right. Jesus had been doing all sorts of miracles, and this guy comes to Jesus, and it's his last-ditch effort. It's his last hope. Because imagine this, if you're a parent, and many of you in here are parents, imagine that for many years your son has been sick, and you've taken him to every doctor you could have found. You've taken him to every holy man and every priest, and you've taken your child everywhere, and no one is able to help him. So you hear about this man, Jesus, who does the impossible, and you take him to Jesus, and he says, if you can do anything, because no one else has been able to do anything. If you can try, at least try, and Jesus says, if I can And Jesus says, everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. And the Bible, he writes it, then there's a semicolon, so there's a pause, and then introduces a a new thought. It says, "Help, help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my doubt. You see, because this man wanted to believe, but he didn't actually believe that even Jesus could do the impossible because all he had seen is the negative experiences of seeing his son suffer year after year after year. And so he allowed his faith to be shaped by the negative, so when he finally comes to Jesus, he says, if you can do anything. And I think oftentimes we can relate to a story like this because maybe this describes your experience. Maybe you have experienced so many things that it's hard to really believe that Jesus can actually do anything to help you. But what we find in Hebrews chapter 11 is that there are people who suffered just as you suffered. I would say that there are people who suffered even more than we have suffered, and yet they did not let go of their faith. For the Christian suffering doesn't lead us to doubting in God, but rather suffering leads us to even greater faith. The Bible tells us that the temporary suffering, whatever it is that we experience in this world, is not compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits for us in the age that is to come. So the next time you are suffering, remember that what is coming in the age that is to come in eternity with God, you will not even remember the pain that you felt today. Faith must be shaped by the fact that we know that God will fulfill his promises. And the formula found in the Bible about building faith, as I just mentioned, is about looking back over your life to see where God has come through. And helped you get through those life situations. Now some of you again may be saying, I it's hard for me to see those, Pastor. There's a lot of pain and there's a lot of suffering. So if you can if you feel like you can't find something in your own life, I want to look at verse three in Hebrews eleven, and it says this By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. See, because the writer of the Hebrews understood that there is going to be people who are going to have a hard time looking at their life and pointing to those times and saying, you see, God was there and God was faithful. So the writer of the Hebrews takes you back to the beginning of the Bible. And he says, fine, you can't have, if you can't believe in your own life experiences that God has been there, go back to the very beginning of the story. And remember that God spoke creation into existence. Where there was nothing... God created everything. Where there was darkness and chaos, God creates beauty and light. God has the power to do anything and everything in our lives. Now, we still have some time, so if you, have, if you haven't opened up that Red Bible, I invite you to open it up to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're just going to read verse 4. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. And I think that we could say safely that even though we are missing our brother, Kurt, and even though he is not here in physical form, we know that his faith continues to speak to us today. I can't tell you how many times I had conversations with Kurt, especially through some of the things that I had to go through. And he would remind me, keep the faith. Just keep on believing. Now, I never wavered in believing in God. But there were sure times where I was just like, this just isn't making sense. But for Kurt, regardless of what he was going through, from the four and a half years that I knew him, he would say, just keep the faith. God's will will be done. You just have to be patient. Verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him earnestly. From this passage, it would seem to say that there are three components to a life of faith. Number one is that it involves you coming to God and seeking him earnestly, which means that you come to God with the openness of what God's will is and of you trying to become a part of what God is doing. So number one is coming to God. Number two, the life of faith involves you believing that God exists. Now, for some of us, it's like, how how does that even make it in here? It's a hall of faith. It's a whole chapter on men and women who had faith. But sometimes, how many of us have ever prayed a prayer, and and maybe we've doubted, is God even there? Is there a God who is listening? Is there a God who is actually going to do something? But the life of faith, remember, is the assurance, it is the conviction, and the confidence that when we speak to God, God is listening. And the third part is that the life on faith involves confidence that God will reward those who exercise such faith. Now, I don't want us to get too caught up on the fact that we have to do good and come to God and then God will reward us. But the truth is, is that the reward is in coming to God. That is the reward. The reward is knowing that we can come to God as Father, know that God listens, and God's will will be done in our life. The reward isn't that there will be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. The reward isn't even going to heaven and spending an eternity with God. The reward is just in the act of coming to God and knowing that God listens to you. Let's just go on. This whole book, I hope you would pick this up and maybe you won't because it took me a couple of reads. This is all about what faith and action looks like. The examples that we're reading here are showing you what faith looks like. Verse 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things yet not seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he commended the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah was going to build a boat when they hadn't seen rain in years and years and years. People probably thought he was a lunatic. People thought he was crazy. People didn't even know what it meant that the rains were coming. And yet Noah spent years building that. Verse 11, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah, his wife, was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him, God considered him faithful, or he considered God to be faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the skies and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And all these people were still living by faith when they died. See, faith doesn't keep you from dying. It just means that as long as you have breath in your lungs and as long as you have life in your body, God will take care of you. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Verse 15, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The reason we're reading all of this is because when Pastor Brett and I were there on Saturday last week, when, they, when, when Kurt was in the final stages of his life, uh, Pastor Brett and I just read scripture for like an hour with him. And this was one of those passages that I know that was really important to Kurt, because Kurt was a man of faith. He took great comfort in this. And so we're just going to read this through as a kind of solidarity with him. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. Remember, sometimes when God calls us to do things, it doesn't always make sense. This one descendant that Abraham had that was going to start the offspring for the countless of people that would come after him, God says, sacrifice him. Obviously, God knew what he was doing, and he was testing Abraham, because sometimes our faith is tested. And when it is tested, and when we go through this, our faith grows let's go to verse 24 by faith moses when he had grown up refused to be known as the son of pharaoh's daughter he chose to be mistreated along with the people of god rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time and he regarded disgrace for the sake of christ as of greater value than the treasures of egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward by faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the power Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Look at verse 32. And what more shall I say? Do I, have, I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. (coughs) Whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Now listen to verse 39. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, but God has planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. We look at this book, especially for those of you who are feeling down, especially for those of you who are suffering, especially for those of you who have experienced turmoil in your life and are currently experiencing it. We have a book full of stories of what it looks like to go through the crucible and come out untouched by the flame. Because we don't live just by what we can see, we live by placing our faith in the God that has a bird's eye view of all things. And if we can put our hope in that God, we know that he can lead us through any situation in our life. And I want to just finish with reading the first two verses in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. As we leave this place and as we have these stories in our mind, it's my prayer, my challenge, and my invitation to you That you would not rely solely on your own intelligence and your own intellect and your own life experience, but that you would put your trust in the God who not only has his best intentions for you, but the God who can see tomorrow and beyond. And that you would learn to latch your faith onto that God with openness and faith and conviction, knowing that whatever your present beholds that what the future holds is even better. So even if we face death in this life, we have the promise that the resurrection will allow us to live in the age that is to come.